Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Hello and welcome to our 100th episode celebration. We are so excited. We've got a great show planned for you tonight. But before we get to that, in the studio with me is my producer, Chris Lamphere. And it's just so awesome to have you here, Chris, and just to celebrate this moment with you. Absolutely. I mean, 100 episodes. That's a milestone for any any stretch of creative endeavor, you know. So the fact that we've gotten here is pretty awesome. I mean, we celebrated two years a, a couple months back, but it's really, really exciting to cross 100 episodes. I know that a lot of radio uh, podcasts and shows, they, they don't make it that far, especially in the world of podcasting. Where there's not a ton of money to be made. It's like, you know, a lot of people sort of like bottom out after a few weeks. And, you know, we're going strong now, 100 episodes in, which is kind of wild to think about. It is. Well, especially with our humble beginnings. And I was hoping that that's one of the things that we could talk about, because I think the story of how this started is so cool because it's like this cool serendipity, how the spark started. Yeah, that was a. <laughs> it's strange. We started talking about this not long before we launched the show. It what didn't have a long gestation period. We were talking and I said, hey, by the way, have you ever thought about doing your own radio show? And I expected you, like just knowing your personality, to go, no, 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 I don't don't want attention. That 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 doesn't sound like me. But you were immediately like, yes, I have. And I didn't know what to say at that point because I thought, oh, well, cool. <laughs> like I, I I was completely taken aback because you were you were like gung-ho. I thought I would have to like really coax you into buying into the idea of doing the show. And you're just like, yep, I'm game. Let's do it. Well, and I remember like I almost came out of my chair. I was doing the other thing that, you know, I do all the time, which I started clapping. Yes. <laughs> I was so excited. I started clapping. I'm like, oh, my God, because part of what was so exciting is and the serendipity of it mm -hmm. is that literally, Chris, three minutes before you and I had that conversation, if you remember, I had been sitting there thinking, OK, how do I get back into radio? Because I'd, I'd been a guest on a show out of Greeley. Mm -hmm. I just enjoyed it so much. I thought, what a cool medium, what a cool way to get out just a really positive message and touch people's lives. And knowing that my own personal mission, gosh, going on 14 years now, has been to put as much love and healing into the world as possible. And doing that one person at a time or maybe at a speaking event, but you know, usually it's couples therapy or it's individual clients. And then to think about reaching a larger audience and being able to share, that's just been incredible. So right there, that was, yeah, that was such a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it was really cool to see your reaction to that too, because not only were you clapping and like really excited, you were practically levitating in your chair. <laughs> and I thought like, she's going to jump up and down or something. And you didn't quite do that, but you did get up and you gave me a hug and you're like, yes, I absolutely want to do this. How do we get started? When do we do it? Can we do it now? And, and I, I was completely taken aback. Like I said, I thought I'd have to convince you or try to talk you into why it was a good idea. And you were just like, I'm gung ho, let's do it. And I think we were recording the very first bits for the show, probably what, like, I don't know, not even a month later. 
I mean, it was pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, I I went and took all the FCC training and so I could, you know, be appropriate on the show and, you know, be, be appropriate on the air. And then, yeah, we got rolling. So it's it's just been, an, and later on the show, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. You know, we've got such a cool show planned. Uh, we got Dr. Morgan Oaks on the show today. And uh, he's got an amazing TED Talk called The Language of Dude. We're going to be talking about that. Mm-hmm. And just, just an amazing man. So we'll be uh, sharing his story and we've got an extended dance version of the show tonight. The first third is going to be my interview with Morgan. And then the middle third, we have asked for your questions and have gotten just some great questions. So Morgan and I take turns answering those questions. And then the last part of the show, Morgan actually asked if he could flip it around. And so it was real cool. He interviews me. And we, we kind of talk about the first 99 shows and the amazing things that have transpired since then. So many things have been born out of this. Like your book is out now, The Spark, Igniting Your Best Life. And that's out on Amazon and other booksellers, which is amazing. Um, you did a one day conference called The Spark Summit which uh, brought together all of these people who had been interviewed on the show coming in and kind of giving sessions about extrapolating on their ideas that came out of that. And gosh, just so many fantastic things have really come out of this. You even took the summit and interviewed those people for a documentary that you're working on. So, I mean, there are so many wonderful things that have sparked out of this show. It's really been fantastic to, to be a part of and just to kind of see and be a fly on the wall for it because people think, oh yeah, you and Stephanie work so much on this show. And I was like, you know what? Stephanie is the guiding force of this show. She seeks people out. She finds people to talk to. She asks the questions. She reads their books. She gets into their heads. And I just kind of make sure it sounds good. All of the beauty that has come out of this show um, starts from a very good place because that starts with you and what you want to do in the world. And it's really great to be a part of that. Oh, Chris, thank you so much. I just love you. And I'm so thankful for our partnership. You ignited the spark within me. The other crazy thing that's really come out of it, too, is when we started this station, we were at another network and I decided to leave that network and start off on my own. And really, uh, when I brought that up to you, I was honestly kind of half expecting you to say, you know what? Good luck on your endeavor, but I'm going to stay where I'm at. But you said, no, you know what? If you're going to take the plunge, I'm going to take the plunge with you. We're going to keep doing this together. And with The Spark as essentially our only original show, um, we started this radio station. So it's it's really created this ripple effect that has brought so many wonderful things into my life. And we went from going on with that like one show to now we have, I believe, 13 or 14 shows that we're producing. Um, And it all started with the spark. And honestly, if you hadn't chosen to come with me on the journey to start this station, I'm not sure that it would have gotten off the ground the way it did. So thank you so much for for trusting me enough um, to take that plunge. Thank you, Chris. I I think that's one of the things I've tried to reiterate to you several times is that I believe in you and I believe in your vision and the vision of this amazing station. So I I feel so honored to be a part of it. And I'm just thrilled that we're at this cool marker together. 
So thank you so much for being in the intro with me. You guys are in for a great show tonight. So please tune in. And again, show your love for us. Um, Go to thesparkpod.com. Shoot us an email. Follow us on Facebook. Let us know what you think about this show. Um, This is our first time really doing some kind of uh, user interaction with um, getting questions from from outside. So let us know if if, uh, you want to see more of this kind of look into doing more of that in the future. So it's a really exciting time to be part of this show. So thank you so much to all of you out there who are on this journey with us. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe. Just search for The Spark in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts so that you get every new episode of the show as they are released on Thursday mornings. You won't even have to think about it. It'll just show up on your phone and deliver you a new hour of goodness. So why not do it? Okay, well, on with the show. And for the 100th time, I am thrilled to say, welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. I'm thrilled, Morgan, to have you here with me. Yeah, thank you, Stephanie. I'm really honored and ecstatic to be here with you. Well, let's talk a little bit about your own experience. You're a chiropractor, you've done a TED Talk, you're doing these groups with men. But how did you get here, Morgan? Tell us a little bit just about your own story. Well, I gotta say, I I love listening to other people's stories because we all have a story. And if you don't think that you do have a story, you probably have an absolutely amazing story. And so, I don't know, I think origin stories are great. And for me, I grew up in a really small town in Wyoming, grew up very, you know, you play sports, you go to school, you know, I did all of that. I became a mechanical engineer and I was doing that career and realized that I wanted to be doing something that was a little more heart-centered, something I was a little more passionate about. And so I went back to chiropractic school and this is interesting. I'm at Kinko's. So like this print shop that we used to go, you know, print up big projects during school and I'm in the checkout line and I'm picking up books and reading while I'm waiting. And I pick up Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just educated myself into the tier that he says you want to go the tier above. And so, you know, even at that point, I was like, oh, maybe I won't do this forever. But I got out of school. I moved to Fort Collins. I I started a business that I named specifically so I could sell it in a few decades. Like it didn't have my name in it. And I just was doing everything to build out this life that I thought was coming. And in early 2005, had a, a spiritual awakening and intuition started showing up and synchronicity started showing up. And I was a year into small business. I was going to chamber of commerce meetings and doing all the business things and the outdoorsy things. And I was just a normal guy and the spiritual awakening happened and it really turned my life upside down a little bit, but it also brought in a lot more beauty. You know, I was always a kid that struggled to behave in class. I would get my homework done really quick so I could talk and joke and be a disruption. And I think as an adult, I probably was doing a version of that as well. And it really wasn't until I woke up spiritually that I became so engaged and so passionate about being a human, being on a personal growth path, really being on this planet and being fully engaged and curious about everything 
that I think it got me to behave in class, so to speak. And so that was 15 years ago. And at this point, I just always try to keep listening to the intuitions, the synchronicities, you know, still run businesses and still try to be an average guy. And this other more spiritual part of my life is a real guiding compass for me. And it makes life a lot more fun and exciting for me. So that's probably the rough outline of how I got from small town Wyoming to all this other seemingly disconnected aspects of my life that I'm living. That's the duality, isn't it? That we are the average Joes. We are in this human experience. And yet we can open up to that divine experience as well, which makes our lives really so much more rich and beautiful and meaningful. Yeah, it really, it just makes it more fun. It makes the, the colors brighter, the, the sounds stand out more. And, and also I think it, it adds levity for me. So that idea of this too shall pass. When the stuff's really, really great, I think I try to savor it more because I know it won't last forever. And then when things get difficult, I also, I think it softens it a little bit because I also know that it's just, it's a part of the process and the path. And, you know, what are the lessons for me? What's the growth available? And this too shall pass as well. So it, yeah, it makes the the good things better and the less good things softer. That is just it. Things are all in transition, always in transition. So I always think it's so interesting, you know, like the song, row, row, row your boat. Uh huh. It, it really, it's a profound little song if you think about it. Because if we're just going gently down the stream, it, it's like no matter what shows up, right? It yeah. might be a boulder, you know, it might be some rapids, and that it's okay. We can still kind of merrily go down our way, and that life is just a dream. It's really what we create it to be. And if we tap into the flow of it, it it's like then no longer do we fear the rapids. It's like we go, no, we can navigate around them. And then when things are really flowing smoothly, we can just enjoy the ride for that little time. So no matter where we're at. Yeah, I remember, and it might've been Wayne Dyer. It was the, the first time I was hearing that, you know, that nursery rhyme read slowly. And I'm like, where, where is he going with this? And then, and then as you get into it, you're like, wow, that one was really beautiful and was uh, doing some positive programming into those young sponge-like brains. So yeah, I think, I, and I think that's ultimately, it's at least one of the, the tricks to, to being human. Yeah. Trying to live in that way. So yeah, you can be in flow a little bit, a little bit more ease and grace with the wild aspects to it. So how do you feel like it's changed your life? I mean, I, I, I hear that you had and you have all this success around your practice, things you're doing in your life, your speaking career is starting to amp up and with the TED Talk that you gave, a lot of those things are external rewards, if you will, mm. and people can get really caught in that aspect of it. And it's like you have that right now. It's, it sounds like it's manifesting more and more in your life. And yet that spiritual place takes us to where it's a different meaning. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's just added more depth. You know, you hear those stories of we interviewed 100 people on their deathbed and this is what they shared. And, and I think a lot of times the takeaway from that is they regret more of the things they didn't do rather than the things that they did. Right. And I always imagine it as, 
you know, I'm not just going to want a great business. It's, it's not just about a home or a car or that vacation that we went on that one time. It's, you know, it's all of it. And so I think this awakening and the spirituality in my life has just helped me hopefully focus in on a more balanced life, a more fulfilling life. I really, really try to, to get the magic out of every moment. You know, like, oh, the commute is horrible today. I guess I have extra time to, to chat with this great aunt in Kansas I haven't talked to in a while. That was yesterday. <laughs> or, you know, it's raining out. Oh my gosh, what a great day to have some hot tea and go for, throw on a rain jacket and go for a walk in the forest. Or, oh my gosh, it's super hot out today. Oh, what a, you know, like it just, I think it reframes my life so that I try to enjoy everything that's happening. And even when something goes sideways in business or in a relationship or, you know, in something like that, I can also look at it and go, okay, if life is a school, and this is a concept I hold loosely as a possibility. I like to hold a lot of things as a possibility, right? And I'm like, okay, so if I'm living in a school right now, I know that you know, if you're not good at addition and subtraction and they move you on to multiplication and division, life gets very difficult for you, right? So there's something about going stepwise. And so a lot of times when that stuff happens, I'll just go, okay, if life is a school, what's the lesson I really need to integrate right now so that I can move on to this next chapter? And so it's just, it's given me so many more tools to uh, appreciate life, to reframe and look at life. It's helped give me goals in the future that aren't external, right? It's, it's not always moving towards a finish line. It's like, oh, like I'm going to meditate because I know it's helping my mind and because it makes me feel good. And I'm going to do a lot of these things that I do in my life. They don't have external rewards. A lot of them, nobody ever sees or hears about. And so it's, it's just brought more balance and depth and enjoyment. And, you know, and lately I've been doing a lot of work even on like the inner child. And it's helping me remember a lot of things I just naturally did when I was young that are serving me now. Like I actually like, I liked cleaning and organizing my room when I was young. I didn't remember that for 30 years, but now I'm like, oh, when I, as I'm organizing, there's a part of me, it brings me real joy. You know, how I'm moving through the forest, it's some inner child stuff. How I work hard for an hour in a time block, and then I take a break where I turn on some music, honestly, late 80s, early 90s. And I'm like, I'm reinvigorated. So there's just all these ways to like, how can I make my experience of this life be even better? And some of it's external, some of it's material, a lot of it's internal and spiritual. Well, and nothing's wrong with the external, right? I mean, I think yeah. that's something really important to to note here. There's nothing wrong with enjoying. I mean, we are here on this earth and we get to enjoy these things and we can manifest beautiful things in our lives. But again, it's that balance piece mm -hmm. and not getting all the reward, all the validation, everything that we feel like we deem meaningful from outside of ourselves. That it's also that inner journey that you're talking about. And I think it's important to define, oftentimes people hear the word spiritual, like, you know, my spirituality, and they get that really confused with like religiosity or a certain dogma. For you, Morgan, how would you define that sense of spirituality? So if we change the word and somebody said, oh, I'm, I like to be healthy. Well, that doesn't mean they do CrossFit or yoga. 
doesn't mean they hike. It doesn't necessarily mean what type of foods they eat. It doesn't mean which practitioners they go see for their external health needs, right? Like everybody has their own definition of health. And I think if we loosen spirituality, because yeah, I think I have this friend, they talk about the idea that God needs a new marketing plan, (laughs) you know? And so even like learning the language of dude, my TEDx talk, it's named dude because I... I didn't have a great connection with God. I didn't, you know, spirit was something these two soul sisters talked about. So it belonged to them. And, and I didn't know where those intuitions were coming from. Is it mass consciousness? Is it something that Jung talked about? Is it my higher self? Is it, I'm like, and it, it didn't actually matter. Is it my unconscious mind? Like it didn't matter. I just named it so I could have this really close and fun and playful relationship with it. Like, dude, what's going on right now? If there was like an intuition that showed up. And so if we let go of spirituality and God and religion, and we let go of all those terms, how do you live your life? How do you frame your life? You know, so things that I lump under that, that general term, my morning practice, my journaling, the way that I track my dreams, a gratitude practice, what I do before I eat foods, the way that I treat the animate and inanimate objects in my home, the way I'll do like a high intensity exercise routine, the way that I make decisions in my business, the way that I listen to what my body's telling me, the way that I might bring habits or we might call them rituals, right? Rituals, habits, ceremony into my life and what I do. So for me, my spirituality is just, it's kind of at this point how I move through my day. And some things people go, that's not spiritual. To me, it's just how I live. And it's not something my business coach told me. So I might just lump it into something else. It's not something my fitness trainer told me. So I'll lump it into something else. It's just kind of a catch-all for what makes me feel good as I'm moving through my day, moving through my business. The other element I'm really hearing is the sense of real presence to your life. Like you are awake and plugged in and bring the sense of presence to what you're noticing, what you're experiencing, what you're seeing. It's like, to me, as I'm watching you and listening to you, it's like plugging into a light socket. Like your awareness becomes that conduit for that energy to come through you and flow through your life. Yeah, I I think that's a big part of it. And I think, you know, especially for the listeners and for, for people that I talk to, I don't know that I've shared this story before. There was this time I was in Wyoming and I was driving my pickup truck that I had in high school. And I was listening to this music. And at a certain point, I realized I hadn't seen the road. I hadn't consciously seen the road in like 10 minutes. Right. And I think we all have those experiences where we're like, oh my God, where was I? You know, and we can unconsciously drive, we can unconsciously cook a meal, eat a meal. But I think the risk is that you can lose a few months you can lose a few years. There's people who are like, I don't know what I've done with my last decade. And so, yeah, just I, I think by trying to be conscious uh, and to have the little things be meaningful, you know, there's that idea of like getting the juice out of every single grape. Like I really want to enjoy and savor the sweetness and the bitterness of everything that's happening. So yeah, presence ends up being one of those things that's woven into 
how I'm trying to live. And it's not always there, but it's a goal. Well, and I think that that is the goal for all of us. You know, it's so easy, like you said, to go unconscious. So it's like, how can I continue to wake up to this moment? It makes me think of like Thich Nhat Hanh, who lives in Plum Village. And in Plum Village, at random times during the day, they ring these bells. And what it's for is for everyone to stop whatever they're doing, stop and take three conscious breaths. So to bring themselves to the present moment. And I think what a cool thing if we were able to set up a random alarm or a reminder on our phones. And whenever that went off, and even if we did it every hour, we'd probably lose ourselves in our work or what we're doing anyway. But to get that reminder and just stop and bring ourselves back to this moment, because that is when we can savor it, right? Yeah. I really love that. And I also, I know how my brain would cheat and I'd be like, oh my gosh, five minutes till the bell, two minutes towards, you know, I wonder if there's an app out there that just randomly will do that. So there's, there's really something present about at any moment, where are you? Yeah. Yes. That's beautiful. I've I've never heard that before, but I really love that. Yeah. Yeah. I do as well. So, and especially Morgan, during the times that we're in right now, and we're not able to distract ourselves as much Mm -hmm. that, you know, people can either look at this as this shelter in place as a punishment or something that they really are uptight about, or they can look at it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious for you, what opportunities do you see this time holding for us, for humanity even? Yeah, I, I think so many opportunities. And if I go high level, like the reality is, this sounds a little bit pessimistic, but hopefully it'll land in a way that's constructive. We've been socially distancing for years, right? Like how long has it been since you go to a family event and everybody's on their phones? Or you look around a restaurant and most people aren't making eye contact with each other. You walk through nature and people aren't even seeing the trees and animals in front of them, right? So I feel like we've been doing this for quite a while. And so it feels like this is a good wake up for us to get back into our hearts and really go, okay, what's important? Family, career, health, who do I want to spend my time with? How do I want to spend my time? So I think there's a real opportunity on that level. And, you know, for me, when this happened, I'm a guy that always has too many to-do lists and I'm like, oh, I could create this and do this and build this and do that. And so I was like, oh, like with all this time, I'm going to knock this out and that. And, and I just kept stopping. Like if I didn't have something that felt like an inspired action, so not like Nike, just do it. Not like Gary V, let's hustle, but like a, a truly inspired action. I just stopped. And for a while, you know, it was really hard for me. I just, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I might take another few hours off. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go walk in nature again. I'm not going to do that. Like I need to, I need to just stop because life was moving too fast for me. And so I think this is a good opportunity for people to just stop. And partially some of us are forced to stop going to work. We're forced to step out of like heavy social commitments you know, especially for the extroverts on the planet, where a lot of the things that were part of what we were just doing and who we thought we were have kind of been put on hold. So I think there's something really beautiful about stop, let everything rest. And then at that point, what would you choose to actually pick up again? And another way to look at that 
if everything in your home was lost in a flood, which of those pieces would you actually go out and purchase again? You know, if all your clothing was gone, what would you actually purchase and put back into your closet? So that was a first step for me is really, okay, let's stop. And then as I start moving forward, picking up each thing, kind of like I'm doing feng shui on my life of like, is this the right thing? This was true a month ago. Is it true now? Because the planet's completely shifted, right? Like goals have shifted. What holidays are going to look like has shifted. Towns, businesses that we love going to may no longer exist anymore. So like as everything has shifted, I love Donna Walsh, when everything changes, change everything. So that's how I've been using this time. That's what I think the gift of right now actually is. And of course, it's horrible. And of course, a lot of people are suffering with, with loss of, of loved ones, of life, of uh, financial safety and security. And, you know, how do you consciously choose who and what you are and then, and then move forward from there? You know, have it be as much of a blessing as it can be. Thank you for acknowledging that. I, th- I do think it's important to know that everybody's not able to just glide through these times and there is lots of heartache and pain. And again, I think one of the portals to be able to deal with that is this ability to go within, no matter what circumstances you find yourself in right now. So again, for our listeners out there that are struggling, I find so many people every day are messaging me and asking me, how do I deal with this anxiety? How do I deal with these feelings that are coming up around this of being afraid or feeling helpless? And so those are some of the questions I'm excited you and I are going to get to later on in this episode. Going back to some of your experience, talk a little bit about this language of dude, because I think that's so cool that your higher power, that you could name it dude instead of it having to be some other definition that someone else prescribed. But that was really, you know, that sense of you, like a higher sense of self almost is what I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah, it you know, and I think it needed to be something else. I think I needed to let go of the definition or anybody else's external definitions so we could develop our own relationship. So I always think this is interesting, like, oh, this is a book on dreams. This is what a teacup means. Well, a teacup means something different to the Queen of England than it does from a kid that grew up in Wyoming. Right? My little sister had plastic teacups for her dolls, but those were the only teacups in the house. And so for me, learning language of dude was really, how does intuition come to me? How are things communicated to me? And it started really pretty simply. Like at first, you know, synchronicities would happen. People would be like, oh my gosh, you should read book A. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. And then the second person, oh, I just finished reading this book, book A. I really think you'd love it. And then the third person would show up and they'd be like, I have this book you're just going to think is amazing. And I'm like, is it called book A? (laughs) And they'd be like, how did you just do that? But it just was, I was like, oh, you're number three. Like, I'm going to pay attention to that. And I started hearing words I had never heard before. I started, to be honest, I was, you know, I was like 30, but all the people are hanging out with were like these 45 year old divorced women. I ended up in a group where we were reading The Secret and processing the law of attraction. And it was like me and all these you know, women that are going through divorce. And we were all at kind of the same point in our lives, which was fascinating. So I'm meeting all these interesting people that I had never met before. And 
it just started developing from there. And it happened really simply like, oh, grab an umbrella today. And I would ignore it. I lived in Colorado, hardly ever rained. So I'd ignore that comment. And then I would get rained on later and I'd be like, oh, wow, like I knew I was supposed to bring this. I ignored that. So I would acknowledge it. Or I was doing construction on a home I owned at that point and like, oh, grab a hammer. Intuition, right? And I'm like, I know how to do construction. I don't need a hammer for this project. And then later I'd be on the other side of the house and would need a hammer. So it just, you know, here's what to get from the grocery store, all these benign things. It also saved me from a couple auto accidents. So it just, the muscle of, of intuition really started developing and strengthening with these smaller things. And then I had four visions about traveling through Central America and they developed over the course of a few years. And then in late 2010, I was able to go down and follow that trip. And the four intuitions were start in Mexico and move south. The second intuition was that something big would happen in Guatemala. And the third intuition, I kept seeing different versions of my own death in Panama, which was, of course, very interesting. And then in the fourth vision, I knew that I would come home early from the trip for my dad's funeral, even though he wasn't sick at the time that I was having these visions. And so, you know, thankfully, I got to a point in my life where I was able to go on that trip. You know, I started in Mexico and moved south. Something big did happen in Guatemala. I was able to meet this uh, spiritual teacher. And then I got an email that my dad had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. So I came home early from that trip and I got to spend six weeks with my dad and with my mom and sister and really spend that time deepening with them before he passed. So essentially three of those four visions came true for me and that's, that's what the TEDx is about. And the reality is like, it's a great travel story. There's some very cool synchronicities and intuitions that happen. The reality is it's also a teaching story where we all have these gifts Right. And I think that good business people talk about using their gut instinct. All the moms in my neighborhood had eyes in the back of their head. Right. There's all these ways that we have language built around intuition. And I think when we combined a solid mind, which most Westerners have really leaned heavily into, and you add in that intuitive, whether it's heart, gut, however you want to place that or describe it, we bring those two together and it's a real superpower for life, for business, for relationship, for staying safe, for knowing what's going to best serve you on so many levels. So that's kind of how it developed and the, uh, the basis of it. You know, and I just had Christian Strang on the show a little while ago, and that's one of the things that she did with the listening audience is have them actually go internally and ask themselves, ask their higher selves, what does a yes feel like in my body? Mm. And to pause with that and then to come back in and say, okay, what does a no feel like in my body? So we can begin to cultivate and grow some of that sense of intuition like you're talking about. Because when we know what that feels like and we keep strengthening that muscle, we can really start relying on and trusting ourselves in deeper ways than we've been able to and really letting that intuition guide us like you're talking about. Yeah, it's so important. I think a lot of us, and I was on this list as well, like a lot of us are just really out of touch of our bodies. Then there've been great research studies done where a significant amount of time before our conscious mind knows what's going to happen, our physiology, like our palms are already sweating, there's changes in our saliva, like there's already physiological changes that are happening. So yeah, if we can listen to our bodies, that's like the, that's the cheat sheet for life. It, it knows what we don't yet know. 
So I love that. That's one of the things that when I worked with kids in elementary schools and I would teach them about how to be in touch with their body so they could identify if they're worrying too much or they had a lot of anxieties. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, you have to befriend your body because it's going to be the thing that gives you that little clue that like, oh, my palms are sweaty. I didn't even realize that I'm, I'm thinking about this stuff or I'm worrying about the future or I'm worrying about getting beat up today. There's other things I can do, but let me rely on my body. Like you're saying, like with body wisdom, our body has wisdom. And oftentimes our body's responding before we even have the clear thought what it's about. So learning how to tune into that. And if we can start teaching our kiddos that at an early age, to just trust and tune into themselves. Those are incredibly powerful tools. Yeah, what lucky kids. And the reality is like, there's so many things that are just, common knowledge in other cultures that we've just, we've thought ourselves beyond. And so when we can, yeah, when we can reach back and, and grab those things that are just built into us, it's really beautiful. I have to ask you, of course, about this reoccurring part of the four visions of you dying. Do you have a sense about what that's about? I know you and I have talked in other conversations about that you're going to be heading back down to South America. Yeah, so the the goal is really to to go down and and kind of honor and, and finish and complete that trip. And you know, in the beginning, it was me seeing physical deaths, and through a lot of processing and just spending time with that in a number of different ways, what I think it came to was more of like a an egoic death or a shamanic death or an initiation, and really. And I think this is true for a lot of us. It's, you know, we're, we're always going through this caterpillar to butterfly transition, whether it's middle school to high school or high school to college or first job, first home, first relationship, you know, and we really are required over and over to let go of a part of us that's not really serving us so that we can step into something more beautiful. And so at this point, it feels like that's what it's going to be for me. And I I received at some point a really clear message that I would step into South America, the man I need to be to do what I'm here to do. And, And I don't know that that needs to be anything dramatic. And people will describe this like, oh my gosh, like I traveled abroad and my life was changed or, you know, looking at that waterfall holding their hand. Like there's just these moments that just change the trajectory of our life. And so who knows, maybe I walk over a bridge, maybe I eat my 60th burrito and that's the burrito that gives me the breakthrough. Or maybe I pick up a stone and put it in my pocket and it was, it was just what I needed, you know? So I, I don't have any attachment to it being traumatic or dramatic. It just feels like that's something that's true that I need to, that I need to experience and move through. That's beautiful. Just your openness to however it's going to show up for you. And that's the thing, right, for all of us in when when we were talking earlier about that sense of presence. When we have that sense of presence, is that, Morgan, how we can tune into the sense of intuition? But really, we, we have to be a little bit more in the present moment and checking in with our bodies. We've got to be checking in with our mind, emotion, as it is right here to allow that to come through. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a teacher at one point that really said like, we spent a majority of our lives in the past. So if we're, if we're thinking about that thing, we're losing the opportunity in the moment for whatever, or if we're so far out in the future, 
we lose the opportunity in this moment. And, and so I think there is something about being present. There's something about listening to the body. And there's a great story of this farmer that like, they find a horse and the neighbor's like, oh, what a blessing. And he's like, maybe, we'll see. And then the, the farmer's son falls off the horse and breaks his leg. And the neighbor's like, oh my gosh, what a, what a horrible thing. And the farmer's like, ah, who knows, we'll see. And then the army shows up and they're grabbing all the kids of a certain age to take them off to war. And the, this farmer's son can't go because his leg is broken. And the neighbor's like, oh, what a blessing. And the farmer's like, oh, we'll see. And like the story just keeps going on. And I think having the ability to not jump every time somebody says boo, like to just stay centered and go, yeah, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I'm going to stay curious and process it and not let it get stuck in my body, not let it get stuck in my mind, not vomit it out on everybody else, but process it. I, I think that it just all weaves in and, and just creates opportunities for connection and experience and hopefully peace and also hopefully abundance in a business sense and abundance in a connection and relationship sense. And yeah, all of the things. I think when the bucket is properly built, it holds everything. I have to just piggyback on that. When you're talking about the past and the future, when we're worried about the future, I always say, you know, you're having a fantasy. It's a negative fantasy. So if you're going to fantasize about the future, you might as well make it something pleasant. You know, you might as well enjoy it. But the truth is, if we're in the past or in the presence, we're not fully enjoying this moment. Yeah. And when I ask people, even panic disordered folks that I work with, if you bring yourself to this moment right now and just take a deep breath into your body and feel into your hands, your fingertips, what's wrong in this moment? Mm. What's happening in this moment? And when you really bring your awareness and your attention right here, right now is usually okay. We can get through this moment. Yeah. And then I invite them to experience getting through the next moment. And sometimes those are the days when we're going through these really hard times. We just have to keep showing up to the moments. And that literally is how we can get through because usually we really are okay. It's the what if game. And oh my God, I don't have a frame of reference for what the future looks like. So I can get really scared. There's all these unknowns. Or I can say, you know what? In this moment, I'm sitting here in my living room. I'm warm. I'm well fed. I'm okay. Yeah, I think that's, that's enough, right? That's one of the I think, foundational keys to life. Coming up after the break, Stephanie and Morgan answer questions submitted by our listeners. And later, the tables turn as Morgan interviews Stephanie about the journey of the first 99 episodes as this special 100th episode celebration of The Spark continues on NOCO FM. Your support means the world to us. Hi, it's Dr. Natalie Phillips from Connecting a Better World. Everything we do here at NOCO FM is member-supported. From the music we play to our original podcasts and live shows, all of that costs money to produce, and we can't do it without you. Become a member today and invest in the programming you enjoy so we can create more together. Learn more at noco.fm. 
everybody. This is Adrian from Feminist Hot Dog, and I want you to join me and my awesome guests as we put the fun in feminism. It's true. On Feminist Hot Dog, we explore all the ways feminism makes the world a better place, no matter who you are. So come hang out on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Mountain on NoCo FM. And don't forget, love yourself and love your buns. See you on Wednesday. Morgan, I am so excited about this part of the episode because we're actually going to be answering questions that people have sent in that knew we were talking today. So there's a variety of questions that came in from all over the place. I think a lot of them are about the current situation going on now, as well as how do we deal with some of the emotions that are happening right now while we're in shelter in place? How do we deal with feelings? How do we deal with what's going on during COVID, the different things that are coming up, as well as just wanting to talk about how do I deepen my spiritual practice? How do I make sure that I'm staying in balance or I'm doing things that are really going to serve me at this time? So I have a question here from Joel in Salt Lake City, and he says, what are good ways to cope with the physical isolation, which can bring such a heavy burden to the spirit? Wow. It's interesting. I, I heard my like radio voice. Hey, Joel, thanks for the call. And uh, so <laughs> I think this is a really good question. And I think the first place to frame this, and this is a conversation I've been having with a lot of people is this is our lives. This is your life, Joel. Everybody that's listening, this is life right now. You know, I've been comparing Seattle where I'm at to Colorado where you're at. In Colorado, when it snows, you're like, ah, snow season's here, you know, let's keep the better tires on the vehicle and, and you're just aware of it, right? In Seattle, when it snows, you know, if you wait like two to five days, it'll be gone and you won't have to deal with it for another year. And this is more like a, a Colorado winter where it's here for a while. So if your ergonomics aren't set up good, if you're working from home, get those changed. If the studio where you were doing yoga or Pilates or your workout has obviously closed, what's your way to take care of that at home? As all the habits that we had, let's say three or six months ago have kind of transitioned, realize that this is our life right now. And we don't know if it's going to be much different a few months from now, six months from now, you know, maybe even a year or two. So how do you build your life so it's sustainable? And yeah, I guess I'll admit to this. Like I hadn't had a hug in like two months and it was really bothering me because I'm a hugger. And I had friends came to my chiropractic office to get an adjustment. So luckily I'm, I'm getting that interaction. I know a lot of people aren't. So I consider that being of service, a real blessing because I'm getting some human interaction. And my friends were there and I'm like, are you open to just giving me a hug? And so we had our face masks on and we did the thing, but I got a hug and it's not enough to be sustainable. So I think other things are important. Like I've given homework to people before of you just need to be really conscious about putting lotion on like touching your own arms, putting that lotion in, maybe it's like body wash in the shower or the bath, like whatever it is, getting 
the touch that you can for yourself, really being able to feel your own body, be really good about yoga, about stretching, about breath work, about listening to foods. Like I've been consciously going out on my back patio now. I guess I'm just sharing this honestly. Like I live next to a forest where nobody's really behind my place. And so I can be in just a pair of shorts at like 10 o'clock at night and walk out on my back patio and just feel how cold it is on my skin. It's not comfortable. It's not sustainable, but it's, it's making me remember that I'm alive. And so for anything that's important to you, just really lean into that. And, and also I'm really listening to my body. You know, a few days ago I added more foam roller cause my hips were tight. A week ago I added more yoga through a yoga app because I realized that, that my body was tight. So I'm just trying to really listen to my body, stay present and add in the things that I can, because this is life for the foreseeable future. It's not a Seattle snowstorm. It's not going to be different next week. So what do you need to do to make life sustainable? Thank you for that. When I think about my own experience too, when this whole thing first started, I can really liken it to the whole grief process Mm. because at first it was this kind of sense of denial Like, ah, this is just going to be a Seattle winter. This is going to be fine. And I think the next level, after you get past bargaining, which is like, oh, well, maybe if we would have done this, this wouldn't happen. Or gosh, maybe, you know, we kind of go back and forth. Maybe it will just be four weeks now. So the bargaining phase of grief work kind of comes in. There's also the anger phase, like, damn it, why is this happening? Yeah. I don't want this to happen. I don't want this to be there. But I think once we accept, when we get to that level of acceptance, like here we are, this is where we're at. And so if this is going to last another month or this is going to last another year, exactly like you're saying, how do I meet those physical needs on my own? How can I plug into the things that make my physicality feel good? feel grounded. So whether it's touching your own arms, your own body, I think those are really important roots. And yeah, getting into your body with yoga or movement, stretching, beautiful. Thank you for that answer. Okay. So I have a question here that comes from Steve here in Colorado. And he said, can I share the same high frequency of love without being in the same space? Do you want to take this? Sure. One? So the, the thing that I understand, just because I know, first of all, from research and from talking to so many beautiful evolved people, whether they're stem cell biologists like Bruce Lipton or research scientists like Stephanie Schwartz, who have done research around this, we know that love is an energy and it has a certain vibration. So if you're just looking at this scientifically, there's a famous study that people came into New York City and there's a group of people meditating and sending out just loving kindness. And for the six weeks that they were there, the crime rate dropped 38%. And then when they left, it came back up. So it's interesting that as they were holding and sustaining that vibration of love, something was happening right? People were responding. And the same thing is true when someone has cancer and they've done research where that person's being prayed for. Even in blind studies where they've done different religious people, whether it was a rabbi, someone that was a minister, someone who was a shaman, just being given a picture of someone, not knowing the person's story, but just praying for that person, just sending that person love, the person got better. 
their health improved. So we know there's power in this, in this sense of love. And so even Morgan, as you and I are sitting here talking, I can feel the love of our friendship. It's just like palpable, even though I'm seeing you through a screen and you're states away. So we could get really existential here, but we also know from Einstein's theory of relativity that time bends in on itself and the time and space really are constructs. So you and I really are here in this moment. So I feel like as we send out that vibration of love to people that we care about, or we can even send it out to our community and strangers, it's palpable and it is received. And, and so we, we really can share that same high frequency of love with one another. And I have to tell you, every night here in my neighborhood at eight o'clock, everybody goes outside and howls and you hear it for blocks and blocks and blocks. And it's like the most incredible thing. It's this awesome sense of love and community and like, yeah, we're all here. These wild souls just being like, this is it. And so that sense of connection, it gives me chills from the top of my head right now, all the way down to my feet, because it is that, it's, that is that frequency of love and connection. So my answer to that is definitely yes. I'm just so excited about that neighborhood. <laughs> I'm like, if a house was getting listed for sale and they put that on there, I'd be like, oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, I love that playfulness and that connection. So, and, and I would say the, the same answer, like there's quantum physics studies, they're doing studies on so many levels to show that we create an impact. And it's interesting, even a little, you know, this is less research-based, but yesterday I was speaking to a woman who's basically put me up for vision quest for a few years. So she's a shamanic teacher and she's an elder. So she's 75 years old this year. And we were talking about a process she went through where uh, the recommendation was to do healing work with a parent or with anybody, but she and a friend had done this with their parents. Whatever you want, you just wish that for that other person. And it was a two-week process for her. And she and her friend were just amazed at the shift that happened for that. And I think there's so much about intention, about you know, the energy of love, the energy of hope, the energy of I want for you what you want for yourself. And even this one was different. I want for you what I want for myself. But the transition and shift that happens with that, and, and yeah, it doesn't matter if you're one feet away and you're on somebody's table receiving a healing or you're on the other side of the planet receiving the same healing. So yeah, dive into it and trust your intuition. I think whatever's feeling right for you to do, however you visualize it, however you feel it, I think that also helps us tap into our superpower. You know, some people are are good about visualizing it. Some people are good about singing it. Some people are good about having it move through the hands like an energy practitioner. So yeah, whatever your way to, to give that love feels best for you, that probably is your superpower. And so yeah, we're all grateful you're out there doing your work and sharing your love. Beautiful. Now I have one here, a question that I'm going to throw at you first. And this is from Haley in your old home state of Wyoming. Hello, Haley. Thanks for the question. <laughs> As a senior in college and not being able to go through graduation and all the ceremony and you know, the things that really are the ritual in our lives that can be so significant about moving from one place to another. Her question is, 
How would you give comfort or give advice to graduating college seniors who aren't getting to walk across the stage or complete finishing their year of college in a way that's really marking the end? Will this lack of experience affect them in ways they aren't aware of right now? Hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. I, for especially the last month, have been driving around and I've been noticing impact. Like, oh, that business of 32 years is closed. Oh, I have a, a young man in my life who's really special to me. And he spent his 18th birthday at home with his mom. You know, he missed his senior prom. He's going to miss graduating from high school, you know. And so my heart just goes out to him and to people graduating from college and missing that ceremony, that initiation. And so first of all, my heart goes out. Just so many people on so many levels are missing these opportunities. And there's a story that a teacher of mine shares where in growing up, they were in Montana. It was really cold. The heater in their home went out at one point and they didn't have the finances to repair it until the next paycheck came in. And so that could be this really horrible thing. But instead what they did was the parents set up a tent in the living room got out all the camping gear and made it an adventure. And so the next day at school, this kid, instead of being bummed out, like we don't have enough money to fix the heater was like, what'd you guys do last night? I went camping, you know? And so it really became this positive and it's not to make light on all the opportunities and experiences that people are having. It's rather a way to look at it like, how can you make this super memorable? You know, how can you make this be an experience that's important to you? In a time like this, how does everyone make the experiences that are not going to be what they were going to be still make them special and impactful? You know, and you're hearing stories of, oh my gosh, it was the, the guy named John from the office put on like a virtual prom for everyone, right? And you're seeing stories of these ways that people are making things special. And so I would say find a way to honor something like that. If you're at home with family, if you're at home with friends, like find a way to make it special. And I think one of the key things with ceremony is ceremony is this thing that's ethereal and you can't really put your hands on it. A lot of times what's happening, the energetic shift of like an initiation or a ceremony. And so how do you make it physical? And maybe it's by creating something at home and maybe it's having an altar and maybe it's, you know, walking and receiving a rolled up piece of paper at the house that isn't the diploma. But then after that, you take that diploma and instead of it being what they gave to you, you make it be a little dream board and you put all the things you're wanting on there moving forward. So, you know, I'm just making up answers, but the reality is find some way to make everything in our lives right now that are occurring still be special, still be memorable and yeah, keep living life in the best ways that we can. So I, I hope that helps. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about a friend, Amy Beth, who a few weeks ago had her birthday and it was so beautiful. Her sisters called all the friends. So there was probably about 12 or 14 cars and people decorated their cars and put happy birthday signs. And we, she had no idea we were coming. And so we came, everybody was lined up 
And her sister went and rang the doorbell and ran back to her car. And then everybody started honking their horns and going by and waving and shouting, I love you. And then we circled back around again. I mean, everybody was just bawling because it was just so special. And it was such a cool celebration of we're celebrating you, even though we all can't sit together and you know have a big dinner and drinks, we're still celebrating in our heart. So I, I think for Haley too, and for other people out there, it's like, we just have to think outside of the box right now. You know, we can still celebrate. It might look a little different, but the energy, the excitement, the, the wishes, the intent, it can all be there. And so even if we can't be there in physical form with one another, I think there's ways that we could really, even if it's a Zoom, and like you said, she could still walk across the screen and have her own diploma and then have people talk about, you know, these are the wishes that I have as your life goes into this new phase. These are the gifts I want to give to you as you enter this new place in your life. So I do think there's lots of ways that we can celebrate too. Yeah. Yeah. I think letting go of what it coulda, shoulda, woulda been and really just make it something special. And I think the things that happen in the next six months might be some of the most memorable of our lifetimes in a really beautiful way, you know, just because they'll be so outside the box, so creative, so hard inspired rather than tradition inspired, maybe. Yeah. You know, I love tradition and I love ritual. And at the same time, I love the spontaneity and the creativity that comes with this. It's tapping into a really new energy where you're having to be very intentional about making things meaningful. Yeah. yeah. And that gives it a whole new, really cool energy. I love that. So here's a question from Joe in Firestone, Colorado. And it's, what do you see as being the new emotional, psychological issues that people will be dealing with over the next few months to the next year? Wow. So I guess, Joe, as I look at that, I guess part of what I think is we really have to be fluid in our adaptation that number one, there is a new normal, and yet this isn't any guarantee that this is what's going to continue to be normal. So when I say fluid, I think oftentimes what happens is we start thinking about the future, and as we think about all this unknown, it can really kick our primitive brain that wants predictability and wants to know like, okay, I have a frame of reference for this in order to feel safe. So we have to realize that there might be just this inherent response where we have a little anxiety. And I think, you know, that's one of the issues people continue to face because it's like, well, I don't know what the next week is going to look like. I don't know what the next month is going to look like or the next year, right? So again, I I think one of the things that can be the most helpful, as, as I do think anxiety continues to be maybe the issue of the unknown out before us, is really working on doing things that bring us into our body and bring us down into the present moment. And we can do that through breath work. We can do that through yoga, exercise, qigong, whatever it is. What I talk to my clients about a lot is that whole thing, we may have talked about this before, of not projecting into the future too far and playing the what if game and also not worrying about, oh, I wish I would have done things differently in the past. But in this present moment, we can bring ourselves here. This moment usually is okay. 
We can really find our inner resources and our point of power truly is in the present moment. So I I think as a skill, that may be something that can help people as they're moving forward. And, you know, the other thing that continues to be something that I see as an issue, I don't know, I'm putting quotes, air quotes around issue, but something that we have to deal with is just the grief of, of loss of life as we used to know it loss of connection, just like you were saying as a hugger. I'm a hugger too. I mean, I hugged most of my clients when I was saying goodbye. You know, I mean, it was just this really connected experience. And so now I I hug my dog a lot and that's awesome. But it's, you know, it's really allowing ourselves to be with whatever comes up in the moment. And so I would say that would be if something we have a tendency to do, like, you know, we want to distract ourselves. And right now we don't have all the distractions. So instead of drinking it away or getting on your computer or just trying to distract yourself, to just be with whatever emotions come up and to notice them and to be with that energy in the body and breathing into that place, it's like the moment we begin to do that, those feelings begin to dissipate and transmute. And so I I think that can be one of our most powerful processes moving forward is learning to be with us. I feel like that's one of these bigger kind of universal lessons about what's happening right now Yeah, is just that. So I'm going to flip it back over to you, Morgan. What, What is your response to this? Well, as a healthcare professional, I'm glad you got that one first. So, and, and I think the piece that you've been saying about acknowledging grief and processing it is really important. Another place that I thought about was, and I'm going to forget the name of this person that came up with this, this idea, but I, my understanding is it's in the book, uh, Good to Great. And what he talks about is in a situation that's not going well, like let's say a prisoner of war situation, the optimist actually struggles more than the realist. And so I think there's a piece about finding your balance between both of those. So an optimist is like, oh, things are going to be out of lockdown May 5th or May 4th, it was supposed to be in Washington. And so I'm just going to totally lean into that and I'm going to ignore all the other things. And I'm just going to lean into that as an optimist. And then I think just yesterday we found out here in Washington, we just found out that things are extended for another month. And so if somebody was being an optimist and just leaning into that date and they were leaning so heavily into it, like I'll be okay when that happens. And then that gets removed from them and it gets bumped out another month. I think that's really difficult. So I think finding that balance of being optimistic, looking for the positive, leaning into all those traits, which are so great, and also being a realist, going, okay, what do I need to do? So if this lasts a week, if this lasts a month, if this lasts two months, four months, like what I realistically need to do in all those areas of my life that are important, you know, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, relational, you know, career, finances, like finding the balance between the two of those is important. And the tough thing is everybody's learning this dance at the same time. And even the experts are really struggling to go, okay, here's, here's the best option. State to state, it's different. Country to country, it's different. So stay optimistic, do what you can with that. Be realistic so that if things shift on the outside, you're okay. And the other thing I think it's important to look at is in times of stress, 
we can fall into our most negative traits. Maybe that's the best way to say it. So if you know that, oh, when things get stressful, I stop working out and then my energy goes down and then I don't show up the way that I want for my family. I can be tired or not present or mean. Be aware of that and so see that coming. Or I have a history of addiction to whatever that is, whether it's Netflix or a substance or a behavior, just know that the places that you go when you're stressed out, just be aware of those and know what those things are that you can do to be preventative. And also, it's not preventative for a Seattle snowstorm. Here's what I can do to get through the next five days. What's preventative, sustainable, and holistic? Good for you, good for others, good for the planet. And I would also say this is a really important time to reach out to people. Reach out. If you're in a place of, of power and strength, reach out to those that you know need the help. If you're needing support, reach out to those that you know can help you. And that can be friends, family, coaches, mentors, healthcare practitioners, you know, that person you haven't talked to in a decade. So I think all of those things are important to really just have as many tools in the toolkit as you can right now. And, and consistency is probably king at this point. Stay consistent, stay mindful. And know that you have support out there. So many people that want to support so many others right now. So know that that's the truth of this planet. Mm, love that. Yeah. So we have time for about two more. This question comes from Shelly here in Fort Collins. How can we use this time to help deepen our spiritual journey opposed to getting trapped by fears? Mm. Hey, Shelly from Fort Collins. Thank you for the question. And yeah, it's always, I'm always interested when I go to the gym and I see people driving around the parking lot trying to park in the front row so that they can go in and then get on the treadmill, <laughs> right? Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> Have you ever noticed that before? Yeah. And, and the reality is the strength comes from being on the treadmill. The strength comes from walking those extra steps from the back row to the front door of the gym. And right now we're on the treadmill. Right now is that time where we're getting to strengthen the muscles of personal growth. We're getting to strengthen the muscles of how does fear show up in my life? How do I process it? My fear, others' fears, society's fears. So right now we're at the gym, we're on the treadmill, and it's probably turned up a little higher than we actually want right? So this is the time to do that. And, and again, all the things that we just shared, like lean into your processes, know where you'll potentially trip, know what keeps you strong, know what keeps you balanced, know what raises your energy, know what lowers your franticness, lean into others. Really, this is a, a good time to be in community. A teacher of mine says the time of the lone wolf is over. A healthy wolf lives within a pack right? So find your pack, find your tribe, find your community. And yeah, this is the time to test our grit. And really evolution is being sped up right now. So this is a great opportunity if that's what you're hoping to do. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think too, there's something huge. I mean, that was my response as well. I always thought it was interesting. I lived in Wyoming for 19 years. And when I was there, during that time, Wyoming was number one in suicide rate. Mm. 
And I went to a workshop around that and just understanding what was part of that dynamic. And one of the things they were talking about was this mentality. One of the reasons it's highest per capita is that the mentality is pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm. and more this lone wolf thing that you're talking about. Like, just deal with it on your own. Yeah. Well, when we deal with it on our own and when we're left to kind of rambling around in our own heads sometimes, we can become our worst enemies. We can really get ourselves down the rabbit hole. So I really just, you know, kind of want to piggyback what you're saying about the importance of reaching out and speaking our fears not leaving them pushed down inside of us and like, well, I've got to be a strong mom or I've got to keep it all together. or I'm the dad in the household or like, I've got to be a certain persona instead of like, no, I got to speak my truth. And again, that fear being energy. So actually when we speak it out, it also begins to dissipate. So we, we can speak it out. We can find support from the people in our community, the people around us. And I love there's so many groups right now. If you're not a part of a group, check it out online. People are coming up with so many different ways to support you. So one of my biggest things too is I tell clients all the time, turn off the news. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> yeah. Step one. Yes. You know, like... Uh, and, and we get fed so many contradicting messages. So if we're staying in that back and forth, I think we can really get into this really horrible headspace and that fear mongering machine that the news is can take over. And literally, it's not about being naive and putting our head in the sand. And I'm with you. I'm, I don't think that we need to be on optimistic island over here and not realize what's happening in the world. But I think if you listen to news 10 minutes every couple of days, I promise you, you'll know what's happening. Yeah. You know, you don't have to focus on that. So one of the ways we get rid of fear is we really have to pay attention to what we're focusing on. Because yeah. we know that what we focus our attention on expands. So Shelly, as you're talking, and this is for others, you know, as you're talking about how do I deepen my spiritual practice, focus on that. Yeah. You know, let that be the way that you start your morning. Let that be the way that you end your evening. And just breathing into your day. And like we had talked about earlier, you know, how cool it would be if we had this random alarm that went off during the day that brought us back into ourselves as a reminder just to take a few just centering breaths. So the, the more that we align ourselves with coming into the present moment, with our breath, things that we've talked about, I think that we can deepen our spiritual experience just by being in touch with it, just being intentional about that's where I want to put my energy today. I want to be as awake and as mindful as I can be. Yeah, it's a perfect time for it. Okay, so last question here comes from Josh in Nebraska. He's struggling a little bit saying how to singularly maintain sanity in what feels like solitary confinement and also how do we maintain relationships at a distance? And I think we've, we've covered so many things, I think, that address that first question. Mm -hmm. and, and part of it is changing your paradigm. 
right? Saying to yourself, okay, I could look at this as solitary confinement. And, and this isn't to put rose-colored glasses on, but it's saying, how can I look at this as the opportunity that it is? So this is what's presenting itself. Yeah, I don't want to put on rose-colored glasses and put my head in the sand, but I also don't want to put on my black glasses and say, you know, this is the most horrific situation either. I think if we could just get really curious about what might open itself up to me in this situation, what might be the potential right here for growth or what I could plug into could really help transform that feeling of I'm really alone and I'm in this solitary confinement. Again, and like we've said, reaching out to other people, being connected in all these other ways. That's part of this, you know, what is the potential of this moment for me? What is the potential of this situation? And then that kind of feeds into the second question, which is how do we maintain relationship? And I think it's really different at this time. It's not going to be physical proximity. But I'm telling you, I had one of my friends last night. I was cooking. As you know, I got a new stovetop last night. Yes. And I was very excited. And so I had one of my great just life friends that I've been friends with for, gosh, almost the past 30 years. He and I had a call scheduled at, at seven. So I put him on FaceTime and he cooked with me. When I fixed dinner the whole time, just visiting with him and chatting and then literally set him up on the table and ate my dinner. So we ate together. And I mean, it was so much fun. And so I think we have to think out of the box. The thought of separation is truly in our minds. And so if we want to experience connection, really, it's one thing I do want to say, I think even though texts can feel good and it's a nice way to just say, hey, how are you? There's nothing like being able to look in each other's eyes to really have that sense of energy and connection. You know, we've heard forever that eyes are the windows of the soul. And I think that's true. We get a deeper sense of being interconnected when we're able to look at one another. So I think those are the things that I would encourage you to do, Josh, is make sure that you're having voice to voice at minimum. If you can't see each other, you know, hear the resonance in each other's voice that we don't get through text. And when you can see each other, it's just, again, it's being creative, thinking outside of the box of what does connection look like right now? I have a very sweet girlfriend, Katie, who lives about four blocks away from me. And even though we're not hanging out right now, I'll open up the mailbox. And the other day there was the cutest, it was like this little paper triceratops and she had written rawr on it. And then it said, this is dinosaur for I love you. Wow. And it just made my whole day. It was just like such a gift. And yesterday I opened the door and my sister had left the cutest, sweetest little Mayday basket with these little fresh flowers right on my doorstep didn't tell me, didn't ring the doorbell. And it was just so precious. So it almost brings me to tears right now. I mean, it's just so meaningful. So when you can do things like that to reach out, it makes such a difference. So there's lots of different ways, I guess I'm saying, that we can connect and still be in relationship with one another. Yeah. Yeah. There's that saying, how we do anything is how we do everything. And this is, again, an opportunity for us. The things in our lives really are getting highlighted right now, right? So even with terminology, because it's really easy to 
call it isolation. I've been calling it lockdown, which I think is a prison term as well. But for me, it just, it just sounds better than it just flows better than the longer terminology they're using. And words are really important, right? Our unconscious mind believes what we're saying, even if we're joking. And so a lot of times if something negative will happen in the last year or two, I'm just like, oh, I had this really interesting situation occur, right? Because interesting doesn't hold energy. It could be good, could be bad, doesn't have judgment in it, you know? So we are living in interesting times right now, right? And so whether we call it self-isolation or lockdown or whatever, trying to find some verbiage so that we can really lean into it in a good way. I'm going through a book, Power Versus Force again, which I haven't looked at in quite some time. And if people Google that, even if they just look up Power Versus Force energy scale, it will probably pop up. And what this guy talks about, he's an MD and a PhD, and he talks about the vibration of these different states. And so dead is zero, like he would put like Jesus or Buddha at a thousand. And then the rest of us are in between and like uh, shame is at 20 or 30. Guilt is a level above that. Up above that might be depression. Up above that would be anger. And the break point at 200 points is courage. And then up above that, you have things like peace, love, acceptance, joy, right? And, and I remember this from a different angle through a coach I had hired a few years ago, four summers ago, actually. And for me, for myself, when I get bummed out, I want to get on the couch and not do anything. So for me, he actually was like, okay, that's your resting state. He goes, we need to find a way to get you angry. So I created a playlist of all this like heavy metal stuff from like the late 80s and early 90s. And I would put that in and pretty soon I wasn't angry, but I could feel that energy. And so it would get me off the couch. And then I had another playlist after that that would pull me into joy and beauty and love. And, you know, but you can't take your vehicle from, from stopped to third gear. And so if you're in a place of isolation or depression or lethargic or experiencing apathy, what's it take to get mad? Or what's that thing that's going to get you in motion? And then after you're in motion, then you can start to refine your experience into hope or I'm going to love on other people and learn how to make paper dinosaurs so I can go put them around the neighborhood. So I think that scale is really important. And when I was thinking about that scale, what he said, because I was like, oh, well, how do you self-identify? Because sometimes we don't know. And then how do you level up? And he gave it in one sentence. Basically, it doesn't matter where you're at the way to move up on the scale is to be honest with yourself and honest with others. So if you can be honest with yourself, then momentum and motion can start happening. So I think that's important in this time as well. And then the last piece is really just leaning in and listening to what works for you. There's so many great apps out there. Like I've been referring a lot of people to Marco Polo, right? So texting is okay. It's better than nothing. You know, you still get the... You still get all the good neurochemicals when your phone vibrates in your pocket. But with Marco Polo, it's an app where it's like a text, but it's video. So you get to see the eyes, you get to see the face, the background, the voice. And I've been doing this with my mom and sister for a couple of years where I'm like, oh, hey, I'm doing one of my favorite walks in the forest. What do you think? And then my sister will be like, oh, I'm out in the cow pasture. Like this is, she's named all her cows, which I'm sure is 
probably not recommended, but she's like, Oh, here's Betsy and here's Susie and here's, you know, spotty and whatever, but we get to share in our lives. So this is a really important time to lean into what makes you feel good. And some of it will be texting. Some of it might be dropping things off and doing acts of kindness for other people. Some of it may be Marco Polo's FaceTime. There's, there's so many opportunities to broaden the way that we get to experience connection. And so you get to diversify now. And then when we go back to a more normal life, all this extra sweetness and opportunity that's been brought in, we get to maintain it and add back in proximity, touch, all the beautiful things that we're missing right now. So I, again, I hope that helps and just get creative, be honest with yourself. And if you need to, you know, figure out what that thing is that'll get you from where you are to at least half step closer, a half step closer to where you're wanting to be. When you were talking about the importance of words, that's something that I have always paid attention to. That's something I just knew there were power in words. I think about when my daughter was first born, I didn't want her around TV or news in particularly because I knew that it would just absorb into her, that those words held power. And just the other day, I read someone saying, you know, we need to change this term of social distancing because we're not distancing socially. We can be as social as we want to be, that it should be physical distancing. Yeah. We're practicing physical distancing so that we're not infecting one another. But our social connections can just grow and grow and strengthen so thank you for, for mentioning that because I, I do think that's such an important piece. Yeah. Well, and I've been telling people that we've been socially distancing for years. We've been socially distancing for years where you go to a family event and everybody's texting. You look at people out having a meal together at a restaurant. They're not looking at each other. They're actually both on their phones independently. So, you know, sometimes when there's a little bit of something bad, you don't notice it. But when there's a lot of that thing, you notice it and then you can become hyper aware of it. And so I think, again, the real opportunity here is to realize that a little physical distancing, a little social distancing is bad, but we weren't noticing it. A lot of it's making us hyper aware of it. So as life opens back up, as we're able to come back into connection with people, know that even the amount that we were doing four months ago, probably wasn't actually serving us. We're just hyper aware of it now. So I think that's another, another thing to hold. And, and as we start creating a dream for the future, what do we want things to look like? And, and hopefully a lot of the things that aren't serving us and weren't serving us at the end of 2019, you know, they probably still won't be serving us moving forward. So this is a, a great opportunity to set them down as we're, you know, creating this new best version of life that, that we really want and are hoping for and moving forward. Great. Thank you, Morgan, for answering these questions just kind of off the cuff. I think this is so cool. And I'm hoping for all of you listeners out there and for the people that sent in their questions that that this is just really helpful information. I know that I've learned a lot just from listening to you. I mean, this has just been wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. What a great audience to send these in. And yeah, I've learned a lot as well. Thank you, Stephanie.
earlier in our conversation, when I realized that it was going to be your hundredth episode, I just think it's really easy for us to be in a flow because you've got a 99th episode, you're going to have a hundred and first. So it could be just another episode. And I was like, no, this is a big deal. There's so many podcasts that never make it past episode actually like number 10 or 11. So this is a huge deal. And I was thinking about all the amazing guests that I've already listened to on this show. And I really was wondering for you, like what have been some of your big takeaways as you look back on the, the previous 99? What are some of the big things that really like, maybe permanently changed you or, or really created a dramatic shift in how you view some aspect of your life or the planet? That's such a great question. I was reflecting on that last night, just thinking about our humble beginnings. And I mean, first of all, I want to say that I have learned something from every single person I've interviewed. There has been just so much knowledge and wisdom and depth and beauty. You know, I just, I, I have to first thank every single person because every single person that's shown up has been a teacher for me. And I know from, you know, the letters I've received and from the feedback I've gotten, they've just impacted a lot of people's lives. So I I just want to say that up front, it's opened up an entire world to me, Morgan. This has been such an incredible journey from the very beginning. And I was so thankful to have Larry Bloom on my first show because he's been a mentor of mine since I was 13 years old. So it was this beautiful kind of cool, natural beginning starting with him. And then I I remember the, the first big interview for me when I got the email back that Rick Hansen, Dr. Rick Hansen, who I had studied for years and years and years and read Buddha's Brain and several of his books, watched so many of his videos. When he said yes, I will never forget that feeling. I was jumping up and down in the living room, tears streaming down my face. And we laughed on the show. We talked about it. I'm like, I feel like a 19-year-old girl who gets to meet her favorite rock star. You know, it was just, it was awesome. And his life story and, and the things that he shared on that episode that really touched my heart were this thing of, it doesn't matter what background we've come from. I was so surprised when he said, you know, he considered his own childhood kind of a C minus as far as getting the love and the really the nurturing that he needed. And he was such a brilliant kid. He had gotten pushed ahead grades and had an early birthday. So he was 16 years old in college. Wow. He was on a college campus at 16 and really feeling out of place. And he said he showed up there with just an ocean of sadness inside of him that he scooped out one tablespoon at a time throughout his life. But what really shifted for him, which I thought this was just beautiful, and I've used this so much in my own life and hopefully have have taught a lot of my clients and shared this with people, is when he started just intuitively, when someone would just acknowledge him and say hello, he would take that in and just hold it for a moment. And just the words he uses, he'd just marinate on that good feeling, right? And and not even knowing what he was doing was he was making that grow in his brain and in his heart, 
right? So he was shifting the needle from this natural negativity bias that we have Mm -hmm. in our brain that's always trying to protect us and look out for the next saber-toothed tiger, so to speak. And so by marinating on what feels good, we start training our brain to focus on seeing more of that. And we start carving these new neural pathways that start lending themselves to seeing ourselves in those ways. So that was my powerful takeaway from that. I would say some of the joys I've got to experience was, you know, in grad school, my emphasis was on cognitive behavioral therapy. So, I mean, I hate to give away how old I am, but we're we're talking, you know, this is years and years and years ago, a couple decades plus ago that I was in grad school, but I loved David Burns. He's the psychiatrist who did Feeling Good was his big breakthrough book. I mean, he studied with Aaron Beck, who's the father of cognitive behavioral therapy. And when David came on the show, we had such a cool connection. He really challenged me on the episodes. I ended up having him three times as a guest. And he was so sweet when he found out I was coming out to San Francisco for a trip. He said, well, if you can come a day early, come to Stanford and join me and be a part of my therapist training group. And then had me as a guest on his podcast. And we were able to do that live and together. And as I'm sitting there in Stanford at the university, sitting in the psychology department, sitting just a couple seats away from him, I was just in disbelief and he was so kind and so wonderful. And the next day I actually went to his home because I I had some Colorado gifts I wanted to drop off to him as thank yous and such a gracious, cool person. And so that was such a learning event for me. And it really started opening up the doors to me, Morgan, like, whoa, the possibilities are endless, right? Like we never know like that one degree of separation of who we're going to meet, what's going to happen, what's going to be brought into our lives. You know, here this was 26, 27 years ago that I was in grad school studying this man. I didn't think I'd be standing on his doorstep. Yeah. Right? So that's it. And and he challenged me intellectually. He challenged me as a therapist. So what a cool, cool experience as we continue going. And I know I'm going to miss people that have impacted me, but I'm just going to touch on some of the highlights. Yeah, of course. I would say meeting Jacob Lieberman also just, again, so much serendipity. I had Jacob on the show. Again, amazing connection. He's an ophthalmologist and just a luminary, just one of our thought leaders in the world right now. And I've learned so much from him. There's no way I'm going to encompass this because our relationship has continued and he's become one of my greatest mentors. And we have a beautiful friendship now as a result of this. Mm-hmm. But I had him on the show and then not too long after that, I was gifted a, a trip to Maui where I was able to meet him because that's where he lived uh-huh. and had breakfast with him a couple days in a row. And it was just this incredible time of absolute connection. And Jacob is one of these people that is just pure presence in the moment. So it's like what he's saying to you, it's just like a download constantly of just this wisdom and, and this divine energy. It's just one of the coolest experiences. So part of the things that I I have taken from my experience with Jacob, and 
He ended up, he, as I said, I mean, he was one of the inspirations for my summit. He was one of the inspirations for the documentary that we filmed in October. He was here as one of the presenters and he came out early and he and I just hung out for two days and just had this incredible time together. But the things I've learned from him, number one would be that we're all the same height. Mm. So that it doesn't matter if you're a guru, it doesn't matter if you've got 42 PhDs, or if you're the sanitation worker that's picking up my trash, there's no hierarchy here. We're all these souls having this incredible human experience and spiritual experience at the same time. So when we can get that, it really helps check our egos at the door. It's that thing of being like, yeah, I'm not special at all. And yet I'm special, but that I don't have to be special in a way where I'm above or below anyone else. It's also, I'm not going to compare myself and put myself below someone. Yeah. Right. So that being one of the beautiful things and also the thing of just being in presence, he says, notice what catches your eye as you are in this moment. And, and it's like acting on what's coming up in your heart, not impulsively. This isn't about impulsively acting or acting out. Yeah. But to kind of be fully present as something arises within you. And so maybe it's giving voice to that. Maybe it's reaching out to someone and saying, hey, you really matter to me and I'm thinking about you today. And this is what's on my heart. Or it could be as simple as, oh, I'm noticing right now that I'll feel a lot better in my personal space if I pick up all this stuff that's on the floor, you know, or to tend to this task. So it was really beautiful how the moments unfold for us. Yeah. When I met Jacob in Maui, he was wearing a hat that said love. And he wore that same hat when I picked him up from the airport at DIA when he came to Fort Collins. And that is Jacob. I have a couple pictures of us together with that hat. And that's the expression of him. So I can't say enough about how he helped me to deepen my own belief in myself, in my own intuitive abilities, in my abilities to manifest dreams and to trust those things that I feel in my heart, knowing that, wow, that I can help bring those things to fruition, that whatever those gifts are in me, that I really can help share those and help impact and serve other people in a really beautiful way. Yeah. Misa Hopkins, uh, total soul sister. I mean, I, I could just go on and on because the friendships that I've formed as a result of this show, George and Sedina Capanelli, Larry Dossie, oh, amazing Larry Dossie, who I absolutely love. I'm going to go back for just a moment because I, I need to just acknowledge the beautiful friendship I've had with Misa. She and Jeff have stayed in my home, her husband. I've stayed in their home in Santa Fe now a couple of times. She is a beautiful spiritual guide and healer. Holy cow. We've been co-authoring a book together we've been working on for the last year. Mm. Just a beautiful soul partner that has expanded my world I can't say enough or do enough deep bows of gratitude to really she and to Jacob, to Larry Dossie, Sedina and George Capanelli, oh, beautiful Solomon and Gabriella Masala. These are all people who have become part of my soul tribe as a result of being on the show. Yeah. Stephanie Schwartz, who is just a brilliant and amazing man. He became just one of my favorite people. 
and as we Skype and connect after the summit and just have these just heartfelt conversations, what a joy. I mean, I have to pinch myself oftentimes for this expanding, beautiful sense of friends. I, I can't even forget awesome Steve Behrman and his wife, Trudy, who ended up by serendipity in town. They live in California, but they happened to be in town at the time that we were scheduling the interview. So I got to do the interview live in the studio. And Steve wrote a book with Bruce Lipton called Spontaneous Evolution, which if you haven't read it, phenomenal. And he's a professional comedian, political scientist, and he's had me on his radio show and podcast now a couple of times out of California called Wiki Politiki. <laughs> so I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. You know, Morgan, it's so hard to even encapsulate that. It has changed my life in astounding ways. The show has broadened my heart. So many incredible authors I've had on the show. Beautiful spiritual leaders like Amit Goswami, Her Holiness, Bhavna Shindi. And so the gift to me has been, I have had the privilege and deep joy and honor of being able to read so many of these people's work yeah. before the interviews. You know, most of the time I'm reading a book a week to try to keep up with whoever it is that's coming on the show. Yeah. And it is one of the biggest joys of my life. So it helps me to deepen and expand as an individual, expand my own self-love, my own truly spiritual experience. And then and I have to give a shout out to my amazing producer, Chris Lamphere, who we laugh and we say, you know, we're in a marriage together without the sex. That's what we have. Because <laughs> we have to work out relationship issues and we have to really communicate. And we're there just supporting each other and really putting energy towards this show in, in such a beautiful way. Because you know, I could just bawl really talking to you about all this because I, I have felt so, I'm getting emotional, called and have been really clear about this mission of putting as much love and healing into the world as possible. And, and I felt like it was happening at this beautiful scale for so long that was just through individual therapy and, and couples therapy that I've done mm -hmm. for the last 30 years, you know? And all of a sudden it opened up to this bigger arena and this bigger outlet through this media of radio and podcasts. And it's just been such a beautiful gift. and. And so I'm just humbled by the magnitude of it. It's my greatest gift and the greatest gift that I can give because that is what I want to share with humanity and with the world. And as I get these messages back from people all over the world about something that inspired them or something that really spoke to them, you know, that's my greatest desire. That's the happiest fulfillment I could imagine. Yeah. Yay. How beautiful. <laughs> How beautiful. And a lot of times we don't get an opportunity to share things like this. So the way I describe my own podcast is if I was sitting on an airplane next to like that person that I loved or looked up to, or I had read all their books, studied them, or I'd yeah, seen them, you know, I've been listening to their music or I've seen them in movies. I would feel like on that airplane, my job is to be quiet and leave them alone. Like acknowledge them, but give them some space and not hound them right? And podcast is the exact opposite. Your job is to ask all the questions, like to just be a fan and, and ask those things you're wondering about and that your audience is wondering about. So it's really such 
a blessing and a great place to be. And I love how much you're aware of it and it's impacted you. And, and I, I don't think, you know, I also noticed in my own life that I have these types of conversations with other people. You don't need to have a podcast to do it, right? Like I remember the point in my own family where we were talking about the weather and we were talking about all these things. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm shifting this. Tell me about granddad. You know, this is when my granddad had passed. Like, tell me what it was like growing up in the same town as him and what was he like in high school and tell me about how you guys met. And like, I started really asking those questions that were important because I didn't want to talk about the weather and I didn't care what the neighbor was doing with their yard, you know? And so, you know, I think we can all have the experiences you're having, even off air, even without a podcast. So I really love mirroring that to people just so they're like, oh yeah, like what are the questions I want to ask of those people that, that I can reach out to? You're already relaying a lot of the, the shift that's happened and you can't have an experience like 99 episodes on a heart and soul centered podcast without transitioning. So what do you think is the growth that you've experienced in the last 99 episodes that you didn't expect or you didn't see coming or, you know, sometimes we don't know how much we've changed till we get our driver's license every decade. And they're like, Oh my God, I've shifted. Right. So, <laughs> you know, in looking back at the last 99 episodes, personal life, business life, your ability to, to ask great interview questions, like how have you shifted in those last 99 episodes? What came to mind when you said that is I think the biggest thing, and, and this is also what I would say to all of you, what I would say to the listening audience, is not to limit your beliefs around what's possible. Mm. So many times I've thought, oh, I can't imagine this person would say yes or, or how this could be possible. But when you just ask and you put it out there, you would be amazed at who's willing to show up for you. I, I was always amazed by that. There's really power in putting ourselves out there and trusting. You know, I think one of the things I've learned is really trusting life even more fully to show up for me, mm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's, uh, yeah, it's so clear. It's yeah. A beautiful lesson. Yeah. And trusting that whatever the next thing is, is going to be there. It's going to present themselves. And literally, I, I did have that feeling as I started. I knew something magical was happening here. I knew something amazing was in the works, but I didn't know what that was. And I didn't quite know how to trust it yet. But I remember when my producer said to me, because my first few interviews were absolutely personal connections that I had. Mm -hmm. And Chris had said kind of jokingly, well, what are you going to do when you run out of friends to interview? <laughs> not <laughs> and, listening, not listening. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, and, but I just started trusting that the next thing would show up and that the, the next right person would come forth. And that is how it's happened. You know, it was like, I would ask a past guest, well, who would you recommend that I interview? And then they would connect me to that person. And then that person led to the next and then the next and the next. And, you know, every single person on that podcast has been important. It doesn't matter what career they have yeah. or what job they have. 
because I, I just think we have so much to learn. So when you ask the question, so what did I learn about myself? Huh? Number one, I did learn that there is inherent value in every connection, every interaction that we have, which I already knew, but it just deepened it for me. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's the barista that's in front of you. It doesn't matter if it's the store clerks, but to just honor every relationship and know that it's leading you to the next. And so really trusting in that. So yes, trusting in life, trusting in connection. It's like no matter what life situation or circumstance has presented itself, I find a way to continue to take it to its highest level of feeling good and continuing to grow and continuing to experience life in the most full, rich way that I possibly can and not letting it sink me, right? So not letting it unearth me. And what the podcast has done for me is help me to know that we can really have these dreams, have these visions. And when we start to increase that self-belief, we're going to manifest it. Like these things are going to happen. And the wonderful thing too, is we don't have to do it alone because part of my life has been thinking I had to do it all by myself. Yeah. One of the beautiful lessons and gifts in all of this has been that there really is this web and community that's supporting us. And if we just allow ourselves to be held. You know, I always felt like I had to do it all myself. I always felt like, okay, I'm the oldest child in my family. I'm the one that put myself through graduate school. You know, as a single mom for five years, I'm the one that has to do it. And there's something really beautiful when we realize oh, we can relax back into this tribe and we all work together and we can all hold space for one another. That's been a beautiful, deep lesson. That through connected vision and connected energy, even more incredible things can come through and manifest. Looking at the next 100, what dreams and visions... First of all, I want to continue to just encourage people to please let me know what's impacting you, what your ideas are, what you want to see come through, because I really want to serve this listening audience. I want to make sure that I'm I'm continuing to bring through the content that really does touch your hearts, inspire your mind. Our whole premise is on igniting your best life. So I want to keep bringing that energy to this platform. Mm -hmm. But for myself, I just get excited because I have already just amazing authors on their way, people that are sharing their wisdom, their inspiration. Part of what I want to continue to just feel coming through are what are the things that are going to serve humanity right now as it's expanding and changing? How can I help to bring in new awareness, new consciousness? And so to have the guests that are going to inspire that in other people and bring those messages through. How can we truly help impact people so that they are learning how to love themselves at a deeper level, Mm. learning how to heal at deeper levels? And then my constant mantra is, as we reach in and do that work, then we can reach out. Mm. And so I really see that as what I want to offer in the coming episodes. I want to get people in some different genres too, who really inspire me. I want to bring diverse people as well on the show. 
so that we're igniting all different areas of us, you know, whether it's yoga instructors or somebody maybe who is a shamanic healer or maybe somebody who, like Dan, is a comedian or a musician. Because we, we all have so much, like you said, I think at the beginning of this, like we all have this amazing story to tell. So I want to keep sharing the stories that help put us in touch with our humanness, that allow us to be the messy, interesting, beautiful people that we are, and to keep just spreading the sense of love, because I think that's what it's about. You know, I think that's my vision forward, is for us to continue to experience love in all these different forms. Sometimes it's through laughter, sometimes it's through creativity, sometimes it's something that stimulates our mind or our souls or our bodies. That's what I want to bring. Wow. Yeah. I love the amount of passion that I can hear in your voice. Uh, we're doing this via video and I can see it just beaming from your face and, and kind of on behalf of your listeners, I just want to thank you because I know that a lot of times you're in the studio. You are at home doing this stuff. You're cleaning up the audio on your own. Like there's a lot of what they would call like thankless hours, right? And time that you put into this. And from the listener's side of things, I just want to thank you for all your time and effort and really bringing a positive, empowering message out there for us to tap into, you know, because a lot of times we're not finding it on TV. We may not find it on the radio station. And there's thousands of podcasts and yours is bringing your specific voice out in a way that can really land with us and lift us up and get those guests on and ask them those questions that we don't get to ask them. So thank you for all your time and effort and joy and passion and dedication and really bringing your life wisdom forward into each and every episode. And yeah, so I just want to thank you and really wish you every blessing, every opportunity, every joy. And for your next 100 episodes, I know they're going to be rich and beautiful and amazing. And I wish you just every, every joy, every blessing, every ecstasy, every opportunity to have the really deep and impactful conversations with every person that you're hoping to have. So thank you for all your service and just wishing you the, the best next 100. Thank you so much for joining us on this very special 100th episode. It's just been such a joy to have Dr. Morgan Oaks here with me. I really appreciated the gifts that Morgan brought and all of his thoughtfulness in creating a really special show. There was so much wisdom that he shared with us. He talked about the importance in our lives, and especially during these times, of being present and not living in the past, not living in the future, but the practice of noticing where synchronicity shows up in our lives, getting still, listening to our bodies, and accessing our own inner guidance. These are the gifts that I feel like Morgan really shared with us, being able to be in that state of gratitude, to be thankful for this moment and to be present to this moment. That is where we have access really to our own inner experience and how we can more deeply experience the world and those around us. So a big thanks and shout out goes 
to all of my guests on the last 100 episodes and to Chris Lamphere for being there and seeing us through to this wonderful 100th episode marker. A big shout out to my wonderful soul tribe, to my wonderful family that's helped support me all the way through these last several years. Big love to all of you and big love to all of you listeners. Thank you for your energy and just allowing the spark to be a part of your life. It's been such a joy to bring you luminaries, thought leaders, people that can help ignite the sparks within you. And as those sparks ignite within you, then that becomes the gift that you give to the world. And in this new time that's emerging of consciousness and awareness, you can be the change. You can be the love that we all want to see in the world. Thank you for continuing the journey with us. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO FM. 